So Parshas Bar is a special treat this year because it's Shemitah. Okay, so as we've been speaking about Shemitah all the time, but Bahar is the Parsha of Shemitah, and it has this very, very fascinating introduction and Rashi that's become part of the way we speak. Hashem spoke to Moshe at Har Sinai, and then he tells them the laws of Shemitah. So Rashi brings the famous question, The entire Torah was given at Har Sinai. Right? Why does it say Hashem spoke to Moshe at Har Sinai and told him about Shemitah? Told him about everything. So I mentioned that's become an idiom because in the Torah world, instead of saying, what's that have to do with the price of tea in China, if somebody brings up something from left field, so you say, And Rashi brings down, he says to teach us that just as all the details of Shemitah were given at Har Sinai, so the details of all the mitzvahs were given at Har Sinai. Now the Shem Shmuel says, okay, but there's a reason that Shemitah was chosen as the example. Anything could have been the example. For some reason, Shemitah was chosen, and that means that Shemitah has an intimate connection to Har Sinai. It's got a particular connection to Har Sinai. There must be something in common with the two, and that's why that was chosen. So he explains in the following way. He says, as we approached Har Sinai, and this is something spoken about always when it comes to Shavuos, to Matan Torah, the singular Lashon, Vayichan Yisham Yisrael Keneged Ha'ar. Am Yisrael camped, singular, opposite the mountain. It should be Vayachanu, they camped. We find that throughout the Torah. Why? So they say, right, Ki Ishechod Echod. One person, one heart. They were all one. They were all totally unified. Okay? Now, there's some midrashim about the mountains that the kids all learn in school. Before Shavuos, you'll see kids rushing home with their little Har Sinai models, right? They make these little models of Har Sinai. And there are kids' songs and uh, stories about the other mountains that all wanted the Torah to be given on them. Big mountains, tall mountains, right? But Hashem said, little Har Sinai is going to be the one to get the Torah. Because I picked him because he's a little mountain not like the big show-off mountains that are there. Those things actually have sources in Chazal, and even before. Based on a posseg in Tilim Samad Ches, It says, Hashem desired that mountain to be the place that He would rest on. So He says, there must be something special, an advantage, a maila tahar sinai, that others don't have. Other psukim in Tilim Samaches, it goes on. It says, why are you running, you literally hunchbacked mountains? Calls the other mountains hunchbacked, opposed to Har Sinai. I want this one. You guys are all disqualified. Why? Are we silly? Are we ascribing emotions to mountains? He says, you have to realize that when you look at a mountain not just what you see. Everything in this world has a spiritual force behind it. Right? Everybody knows every blade of grass has a malach that tells it to grow. Every mountain has a spiritual force behind it. And therefore, every piece of geography in the world has spiritual character. 
is something different in different places. So it says Sinai, the mountain of Sinai, its spiritual force behind it was one of humility. Okay, this is what's going on. He brings from the Arizal that in fact sometimes when you see geographic shifts in the world, a mountain, you know, there's an earthquake and a mountain disappears. He says that's because its spiritual force was removed from it, it's done what it's had to, and that's gone. Okay, so he says, if the mountains, if we do have this particular spiritual force behind Sinai, so therefore, it was a key part of the Am Yisrael being able to do what they did. It says, Vayachanu, that they camped Neged Hahar, opposite the mountain. Why didn't they say, Vayachanu Bamidbar, the location was Midbar Sinai. They camped in the Midbar. They didn't camp on the mountain. He said, yeah, they camped opposite the mountain. So what? Because the mountain was transmitting. They were brought to that place to awaken inside of themselves the same power that was in that mountain. The power of Shiflut, meaning not being arrogant. Okay? And this was so important. And he says, in fact, you do find that people who live in different places sometimes have different character. Sometimes they find that they have different tendencies. Places do influence. Now, this was very important to be because if each person feels so strongly and so self-confident, so they're going to say, this is what I believe. If you want unity, everybody believe what I believe. And the other guy says the same. It doesn't go. Each person says, Kablu daiti. And he says, such an approach, right? It's interesting, there's a Midah the Bali Musa write about, they call it Midas Hanatzchonus, right? The Midah of always wanting to win, right? The Midah of, of having to win. So that's something that he says brings Sino Uktato Merivos. It brings hatred, it brings argument, it means all sorts of bad stuff. Oh, I just forgot a cute story though, so we're going to back up for that because it's, it's important. Um, in speaking about places that have the ability to transmit humility, so I heard that the Imre Chaim of Vizhnitz, he said that that's what the Kotel does. A person who comes to the Kotel, right, he gets a certain humility. Why? Because Chazal tells us, The Shechina never left the Kotel Amaravi. And Hashem says about a person who's arrogant, I cannot be in the same place with an arrogant person. So if the arrogant person comes to the Kotel, Hashem's there, so he's got to get less arrogant. The Rebbe said, that's why I like going to the Kotel. He says, it gets my arrogance down. Okay, so this is the negative side of that arrogance, of that strong feeling, as opposed to the humility that lets you join with others. But, he says, you've got to realize it's not necessarily coming from a negative source. A person feels strongly because he actually knows something. He believes something. He's learned something. And the strength of his nefesh and his seichel that feels that this is something which is real and something true, that is something a person stands up for. You're not meant to be a person that every time you'll say, this is wrong, somebody says, Oh, I think it's right. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you have beliefs. You're meant, to, you're meant to be a person who's strong. 
Am Yisrael value what's called Milchamta Shel Torah. Okay, this is an experience. Everybody always talks about it. You walk into a base medrash, it's loud, it's noisy. It's not like a university library. We're very proud of that. People are yelling, people are screaming, people are banging on tables. I heard Rav Moshe Shapiro Zetzel said his father, who had learned in Tells in Europe, told him that once his father saw two of the Rebbeim arguing in a sugya, and one of the Rebbeim grabbed the other one's beard, and he was like shaking it as he made his point. Right? I just, my wife was, is, is here tonight, so I think it was when we were engaged, or just after we were married, we went to one of my Rebbeim's houses, Rebbeim Jomen Shlita, and... One of his friends from Eretz Yisrael, Rabbi Lezer Schwartzman, a great Rosh Hashiva from here, was at the house as well. And a discussion started at the table, something in learning, and then it got more heated and louder, and there was banging, and the dishes were like clattering and moving, and these things afterwards he asked me, he said, I hope we didn't scare your wife. She said, no, no, she enjoyed it. <laughs> now, now, what is the Milcham Shultar? Moshe Shapiro said, it's not personal, right? Chazal say, Father and son, Rebbe and Talmud, they go to war in the base medrash, but afterwards it's vahiv basufa. afterwards it's all love. But they were just screaming at each other. Because it's not personal, it's the attempt to bring the truth of Torah into the world. And there are all sorts of false understandings and svaras that are flying around in your learning, and that's what you're fighting against. It's not the person himself, and that's something that's important, and they were proud to. So now... We have to see. How can you combine that with this shiflus, with this humility and anova that brings the togetherness? And he says, and guess what? Jews have it more than anyone else. This is not a secret. All the little ethnic jokes about, you know, two Jews, three opinions. Um, And the fact that historically Jews have been at the head of almost every revolutionary movement that's out there to turn the world around one way or another. He says, even though we are goya chad ba'aretz, but nafsham gavoa, there's a lot inside a Jew, every Jew. Their nefesh is very powerful, and that's going to come out. So therefore, he says, Jews have more machlokis. That's what you find as well, right? Because we have very strong opinions, and we have a lot of opinions, and it's hard to get that together. So that, he says, actually comes from a good source. So now we have to try to see how those things can be together. He says... We need to combine the two because, and he's mentioned this other times in pieces that we've learned, humility has its dangers. He says, it can take away, number one, a person's simcha. If a person can't express themselves, can't express their strong feelings, can't ask their questions, can't do these things, then you kind of turn off into this kind of whatever mood. All right, whatever. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to bother thinking anything. I'll just go with the flow. That's not something which is happy. It's not something which is labedic. And it takes away the strength of your heart so that it's not there when you need it. And Jews have had times over history in which they have to be incredibly strong. He always quotes the phrase, O Yehudi, O Tzaluv. Right? I'm a Jew. If you won't let me be, so hang me. That's it. This is who we are, and we need that power. So you can't be a nation of people who are weaklings and who are always giving in and humble in that way. Chazal tell us in the Mishnah, Azkanomer, bold as lions, Kalkanesha, Ratzkatzvi, Gibor Kari, we're lions, we're eagles, we're leopards, we're all this kind of stuff, right? We're not, I don't know, we're not hamsters. <laughs> they didn't say be like a hamster. This is who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be. So what's it supposed to be? 
like almost every piece we've learned, it's all about balance. He quotes the Zara Kodesh, he says, that one side of your heart has joy, happiness, strength, and the other part has the humility, even the bechi, the crying when it's needed. And this is the combination, the Torah is meant to be given to a person. If you destroyed yourself, so you're not a person receiving the Torah, you're an empty shell. I have to have an ani, I need that. But the humility comes in saying, God didn't just give you the Torah. He gave it to all of Amiso. And there's no such thing as being involved in Torah, accepting Torah, fulfilling Torah, without taking everybody into account. This is what a person has to have. So this is why Har Sinai is so important. Let's think back about those stories, the songs in school, little Har Sinai, the littlest mountain, the humblest mountain. But guess what? It's a mountain. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted us to be low, 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 he would have given the Torah in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Right? There you go, low. It's a mountain. A mountain, by its very definition, is above the level of the ground. It is a Har, but it's a Har that also has the character of Shiflis, of the idea of humility. And this is the key balance that we're supposed to have. And that's why that mountain was meant for Torah. Maral points out in Pirkei Yovos, Moshe kibel Torah mi Sinai. Right? Wait a second. Moshe received the Torah from Sinai. No, he received it from God. He received it by Sinai, at Sinai. So Maral explains, and this is what he's explaining here as well. Sinai was key. They needed to be in that place. They needed the balance of a mountain that also combines humility. And he says, it's interesting, the Medrash says Har Sinai has six names. Now six is a very loaded thing. Like I said, I'm not very good with geometry, but if you imagine a three-dimensional cube, it has six sides, all of which are opposing each other, yet create something which is one. Okay, so that is the nature of Har Sinai. It was given there for the benefit of Am Yisrael so that they would be able to have the blend that they have to. With that combination of Har Sinai, Am Yisrael was able to accomplish what seems to us the impossible. All of those people being unified. Okay, It wasn't that their brains were wiped and there was nobody there and they were just these mindless people that were unified. They were these strong people full of character and yet they were able to be together without separation. Okay, togetherness doesn't just mean being in the same place. It means that somehow we can be individuals, but we're not separated. He brings that the Ramban says that the entire Torah is the name of Hashem. The entire Torah is the name of Hashem. And Am Yisrael, they say every Jew corresponds to a letter of the Torah. And you cannot have the letters of Hashem's name separated. There's a famous kind of spooky piece that's brought in the Nosei Kelim in the tour, I think, about the great Makobal, the Rakanati, that once before Sukkot, he had a guest came to his house. And the night of Sukkot, he had a dream. And he saw this guest writing, like a sofa writes, the name of Hashem. And he wrote the Yud. And then he left a big space. And then he wrote the Hay and the Vav and the Hay. And in the dream, he's telling him, hey, that's not good. We're supposed to be together. The next day, he saw that man take his Lulav and Esrug, and he held the lulav with the hadasim and aravos in one hand and the esrug in the other hand. 
He said, that's what the dream showed me. That's what he's doing. The Arba Minim correspond to the four letters of Hashem's name. They cannot be separated. Am Yisrael correspond to Hashem's name. They cannot be separated. So this is why it was so important that they be together. So it said they camped across from the mountain. It didn't say that they camped in the Midbar because the Midbar aspect, which is the total humility, that wouldn't be able to be the proper type of unity because that means everybody's kind of lost spirit. Everybody's kind of forgotten themselves. The combination of the two, Vayichan Shom Yisrael, they camped Neged Hahar. They were receiving that transmission from the Har while they were in the desert. Okay, how does this have to do with Shemitah? Here we are in the year of Shemitah. And to be honest, most of us just view it as like technicalities of what can I eat, what can I buy, what can I do in my garden, right? Arguing with each other about what we do and don't do in Shemitah as the custom is. But what is it really supposed to do? What's supposed to happen? Now, before we get into it, let's remember the following. Am Yisrael is not really into Har Sinai. We don't go on pilgrimages to Har Sinai. Right? If somebody told me today, I can take you to Har Sinai. You've never found it in history. There are tour guides out there who try to show you, I think this mountain is Har Sinai, show you these rocks with the little bush in them when you break them open. Everybody ever seen that? There, there's rocks in the Sinai Desert. If you crack them open, the veins inside the rocks always kind of look like a bush. So they say, that must be from the mountain of Sinai because Moshe saw a burning bush. Go figure, but makes them Parnassa. Right? We, we don't because, Mepharshim say, the Kedusha of Har Sinai didn't stay, it moved on with Am Yisrael. And it moved on and it came into Eretz Yisrael. So that Ki'isha Chod Echad was meant to continue on into Eretz Yisrael. The Torah went on into Eretz Yisrael. Am Yisrael went on into Eretz Yisrael. Am Yisrael were to live the Torah in Eretz Yisrael. And you still had to be able to do it the same way. This is the purpose of Shemitah. Okay, Shemitah, the Zara Kodesh says, is Knesset Yisrael. The Shemitah is that which makes us one community. It's what represents one community. It says, because every Jew really wants to connect to their source above so too, right, in every Jew, there's love for Hashem, but there's also love for other Jews as well. And this isn't readily available to us. It's in there, but it has to be brought out. Other things get in the way. The fact that I love my stuff. I love money, possessions, experiences, whatever it is, that kind of masks the love that you have inside of yourself for Hashem, for Torah, for Am Yisrael, and they have to be brought out. So what is it that blocks it? Especially arrogance, right? Again, and the arrogance and the love of all these things is because I love myself, right? The famous statement to one of the Bali Musar, saw one of his students enthusiastically eating chicken, said, do you love chicken? He says, yes, I do. He says, then why are you eating it? <laughs> he says, you love yourself, you don't love the chicken. Okay, so it's, uh, that, that blocks things. Now, he says, if Am Yisrael come and they have the mitzvah of Shemitah, so then what we're able to see and absorb from that is that really it's not this land is my land, this land is your land, this land is Hashem's land. Right? And we're all 
on the level playing field in terms of this. A person on Shemitah, on one hand, that can be a great blow to someone's ego. A person has a huge estate, beautiful orchard, gardens, and then a bunch of kind of Yushalmi schleppers come up in a bus, right, knock on the door, the butler comes out, can I help you? Yeah, we're here for the Paris. Excuse me? Shemitah, man. Boom. Out they go into the garden. Right? They set up a little picnic table and they're taking everything off the trees. And this man has to smile and welcome them in. Right? It doesn't matter how much he paid for that piece of real estate. It doesn't matter how much he paid his gardener. So the fear there is also kind of with that Sinai experience is, could the guy get that broken? Could he get broken to the extent that he says, so what's the point? Right? If, if I don't own anything, I don't have anything, so why should I even try? What's there? It's all God's anyway. That's why it had to be Bahar Sinai. We are supposed to be doing and acquiring and building, but at the same time remembering we're only able to do that if Hashem lets us. It only comes to us from Hashem, and it's meant to be used for Hashem's purposes. This is there in us and part of us. Time for another interesting story. It's an amazing, amazing and long and multi-part story of the Mir Yeshiva's escape from uh, it was Lithuania through Russia to Japan, eventually to Shanghai during World War II. There were many more famous parts of that story. Right, Sugihara, one of the tzaddikim of Umasa'olam, the Japanese consul in Lithuania who gave them visas. But there's another very important juncture in there. They were transit visas. Oh, they were transit visas through Suriname, correct. Because you needed a transfer. To show you weren't going to stay in Japan. To to get to the destination. Right. If you didn't have that transit visa, you couldn't go. But there was another problem that Russia took over that area soon after Sugihara left. It went from being independent Lithuania to being under communist Russia. So that meant, even though they had papers to leave, you had to request permission to leave. And in communist Russia, if you wanted to leave, that was a sign that you were criminally insane and needed to be re-educated. So they were really stuck. There were a few other things also, because the moment you asked to leave, you were declared a tourist, and you had to pay for things, but you could only pay for it with foreign currency, which was illegal to hold in communist Russia. There was a whole bunch of things they had to leap over. But this, this stuck them. There was a big building where you had to go to ask for those exit papers. And there was the famous, you know, black vans parked outside to take you off to the Gulag or Siberia or wherever it was if you didn't find favor. And they were too afraid to go in. The Majitsu Rebbe had papers to go to America. He had relatives who sponsored him. He faced the same problem everyone else did. Eventually he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going in. And everyone was very afraid. He went in, and he came out with the papers. They said, how'd you do it? He said, I sat down with the man. He said, why in the world would you want to leave the communist paradise to the terrible crime-ridden capitalist West? So he said, I have to. He says, because they don't understand. I'm a rabbi, you understand. They don't understand that the principles of communism are in the Bible. Let, Let me tell you about the seventh year, right? There's no capitalist landowners. The land... It's communal for everybody. We remind them of this every, every year. It's very important. That's my mission. And he said, and the guy swallowed it. And once that official swallowed that, that paved the way 
for all the yeshiva bachrim also to go in and get their papers. And they say that the Russians even tracked him. The Majitzer Rebbe was so smart. He was interviewed in the Yiddish papers when he came to America. And they asked, communism, how is it? He said very nice things. When the Majitzer Rebbe died, it was just before the War of Independence. He was supposed to be buried on Harazesim. At that time, it was extremely dangerous to bury anyone on Harazesim. The Arabs had been rioting. They asked the Chazanish, what should we do? He says, you should take him there. The schus that he had in saving the world of Torah, by his cleverness, will protect him. And that was the last person buried on Harazesim until 1967 when we got it back. So it is there, that principle, but it's with balance. Right? Communism was not very successful. It did not do very well. Right? It just led to corruption. It led to people feeling no motivation to work or to do anything. So it didn't succeed very well. But the Torah's combination is what's supposed to be successful. It's there in our farming. It's there in our learning. It's there in our davening. It's there in the way that we live. And it combines the idea of strength and ambition and doing what we're supposed to. He says the very fact that a person who keeps Shemitah is called a hero. The Apostle Gibore Koch Oisei Devaro. That takes tremendous gvura for a person to be able to be Mafkir's land, to give up his land in these things. He says, Yeshlecha Gibor Godom. He says, You have a greater hero than this. And he says, This is really another aspect of Har Sinai. Because what kicks in when you get a mitzvah that's very hard for you is the Nasev Inishma that we had at Har Sinai. The Gemara tells us a story that one of Chachamim was learning, and as he was learning, he was shuckling. I recently saw a whole piece about how shuckling is really an authentic Jewish thing. They say that it really comes from the Neshama lighting up. It's like you see a flame flickering. The Neshama is a flame, and when it's lit by learning Torah, davening, it moves, and the body's reflecting what's happening in the Neshama. So he was shuckling. He was also sitting on his hands, he just he'd put his hands under his legs on the chair, maybe to warm them up or something. He was rocking back and forth, and he got so absorbed in the sugya that he cut off his circulation, and blood started coming out of his fingertips. So there was a mean, an apostate, who said, I'm a paziza. You people are crazy. He said you were crazy at Harsinai when you said Nasev and Ishma, and you're still crazy now. Look at you. He says, this is actually coming from the point of strength. Nasev and Ishma enables us to override what a strong human being usually would feel, saying, I worked hard for this field. This is mine. This was my father's and my grandfather's. This is mine. I'm not just letting everybody come and take my stuff. Nasev and Ishma overrides it. The Harsinai combination, that's who we are and how we are, that's what's supposed to be. So he said, this is why Harsinai and, Mat- and Shvita go together. Shmita was chosen as the example because it personifies why we had to receive the Torah at Har Sinai. It shows what we got from Har Sinai and what we were supposed to take with us, and it gives us that picture of a Jew. Many people don't understand sometimes. They look at a Jew and they see a person who may not be a physical superman. Right? They see a person and he was always viewed, and yet they can show tremendous heroism. They can show tremendous strength. They can show tremendous staying power by the very fact that we're here sitting in Yerushalayim living Torah right now, learning Torah and living Torah, something that never, no one ever thought. So this shows that we have a different nature. 
and we were designed for the Torah, for Eretz Yisrael. And as we live that way, with the humility and the gvura that the Torah is supposed to give us, we're able to achieve unity without erasing ourselves and our individuality and uniqueness. And we're able to be who we're supposed to be and bring the world to its purpose. That is the lesson of Shemitah Eitzel Har Sinai. So wishing you not good Shabbos, not just good Shabbos of the week, but good Shabbos. They say the word tzaddikim, we used to wish the land of Eretz Yisrael good Shabbos. Because all year it's the Shabbos of the land. Okay, have a very good week. Yeah. <clears throat>